Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. episode 26 of the terrible book club this time we read you suck a love story by christopher moore i'm paris and this is chris i'm also a chris sharing a name with the author this time around yeah so i guess to to be specific we'll say mr moore or christopher when referring to the author and chris when referring to our our chris indeed so this one you received from someone actually yeah yeah so let me um i guess i should just get this out of the way now so first of all thank you cody uh for giving me this as a secret santa gift um i am not being an asshole and reading this to to specifically make fun of it but uh, essentially what happened is uh for my secret santa thing at work uh you know i put on there that i would like to receive either a good book or a terrible book and i got this and i thought it was a terrible book just because the person who had who was my secret santa um i knew listened to the show sometimes and i was really excited to read it and then he was like oh no christopher moore is my favorite author and i was like oh okay but i asked him and i said hey are you cool if you read it for the show and he said he didn't care um and like you never know i mean this show is called the terrible book club but some i mean there are many times we have just taken a fucking shot in the dark so like we could end up liking something. I mean, I ended up actually kind of liking Aeon Labyrinth. Aeon, what was Legion, the fuck? Aeon, yeah, Aeon Legion. It could be us that is terrible. Yeah, I we mean, are, the terrible book club can both be the terrible books or the club itself. Oh, right, right. That is so terrible. Um, so point being, uh, no disrespect was meant by reading this book on the podcast. If anything. You know, hopefully it's fun to get a shout out. So thanks, Cody. Material um, is material. Content is content. Yeah, I mean, and we needed a book for um, for like the end of February, like kind of like a Valentine's Day book. So this was just perfect. And I just felt like I couldn't really pass it up. Um, plus, I was going to read it anyway because it was a book given to me by somebody. So um, so, yeah, here we are. So um, this is definitely a different one for us. Yeah, it's it's kind of satirical, comedic. Yeah. So um, I'm sure that all all of you listeners out there are aware um, that what is it, the past like 15 years or so uh, vampire love stories and movies have been a very big thing in media. Um, and this book satirizes that. So this book is a, a parody of the kind of like vampire romance uh, subgenre that has become so prevalent in um, in books and film. So it's actually book two of a series. Yeah, which which neither of us knew. So at first I was like, wait, why are they referencing this stuff? And then I was like, oh, this must be, this must be in a series. And I looked it up and it was, so. Yeah, it, it references stuff that was in the previous book. But honestly, like, you don't really need to know that. Yeah, yeah. I it mean, lays and, it out decently enough where you, you you don't feel that lost or anything. Yeah, so, I mean, I think there was a lot of good in this book. Um, It's definitely, it was definitely a lot better than, like, all, than, like, oh. Um, I would say all of the other books we've probably read at this point. Um, but it definitely Better has... Better than Aeon Legion? 
No, I like Day on Legion more. Okay. Um, but that's just a personal thing for me. Yeah. I think I think that in general, most people would probably like this better. But like, this book has problems, and I think that's kind of the fun thing about this show is that even when we even when we like something. There's always things about oh, books no, that no art are is not perfect. Great. Right. Rarely, I mean, some might be, but very rarely is there something that's you know, beyond reproach. And honestly, it's not like we're just here to shit on things. No, either. no, and that and that's another reason why I wanted to read this book because I wanted to, you know, for the show because I wanted to show like, hey, we can read things that do have plenty of redeeming qualities, but I think it's worth diving in and looking at some of the issues. But um, first we can just talk about some of the things we liked about it. But before, yeah. Something about the physical copy of the book that I think is kind of cute is that the the pages are sort of uh, outlined in black or red. I'm not so, sure. So, um, like so the, if the you've spine. if you've ever seen um an old um an old gilded book, this is instead of being gilded in gold on the edges of the pages, it's uh it's red. It's dip dyed in red <laughs> because vampires and blood. And yeah. So, um, I also think "You Suck" is sort of a cute title for something like this. Yeah, I think. See, this is so. I sorry, I just said I know we're going to talk about things we liked, but this is just. It just, just, you know, um, reminded me of something I don't like. I'm really just not into, like, cutesy, everything's funny, every sentence kind of stuff. So, so. you must hate Terry Pratchett books. Um, I don't know that I've ever read a Terry Pratchett book. It's like that, but in, it's like ah, this one in the, fantasy genre, in the fantasy genre, basically. Did he write, um, what about Isle Douglas? of what Woman? About, um, I don't know. I don't think so. No, that's a different author. What Never about, mind. like, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I saw the movie and I actually enjoyed it a lot, but I didn't read the book. The book is pretty much funny every line and it only works in a text form, I would say. Like, the hmm. movie, like, it, it, there's jokes in there that are similar, but yeah. most of the real funny content from Hitchhiker's Guide, it, it's like, you can, it's, it's read only that it hmm. works in there's like a lot of wordplay and like puns. yeah I, and i think that so christopher moore um is definitely definitely not a, i don't think he's a terrible author i think that um this i i probably would not go out and purchase this book personally i guess that's that's my yeah sure my thing is like it's not really something i would find myself reading um so anything i don't like about it is mostly because of that but there are some issues but it's definitely trying to be funny at all yeah. times like it, and i think he succeeds i think that several things in the book made me laugh sure um but anyway, but uh, here's the question I have for you, cause, and this is kind of a deeper question I have about funny books in general. Yeah, uh, you're never really like laughing out loud. Like the stuff you read in this, like you may like when you're laughing, it's like an internal like, uh-huh. <laughs> or or when you or I don't know. I had one where I went huh, out yeah. loud. I forget what I think it was something with the animals, but yeah, that's about. Or the ca- is, sorry, the cat and dogs, not the. Oh, damn yeah, it, never there's mind. A specific separate thing about the animals. There's a group of humans in this book called the animals. So yeah. sorry that I don't want to confuse people later on. Uh, but yeah, there's that's. I feel with most funny books, I'm really laughing out loud often, and like I'm wondering if that's like a thing about funny books is mm. that. It's like it's something about the nature of them where you're not necessarily laughing like gut bustingly laughing out loud all yeah. the time but a lot of the stuff like even Hitchhiker's Guide that got a couple of out loud laughs for me but mostly you just go like uh-huh. <laughs> and like that's it um actually I think before we get into what we liked and didn't like we should just do a brief overview of the plot um so essentially uh this book is about two vampires Jody and uh C. Thomas Flood, who we'll just call Flood for the rest of the book, uh, or the rest of the <laughs> podcast. Uh, so Jody turns Flood into a vampire because she was recently turned into a vampire and she doesn't want to spend 
eternity by herself. The guy that turned her into a vampire is kind of a jerk, I guess. So he I don't is know. All that encased in a bronze statue. Yeah, they uh, that's like airtightly can... sealed so that he can't mist his like vampire mist yeah, on his we way can, out we of there. We can get into that, but um, yeah. So it turns out, like in this book, the way vampires are built are that they can turn into mist. Um, they fry in UV light or sunlight, actually, because it has UV yeah. rays in it. Um, but the there are some things that I liked. Like, I kind of liked the touch that he added about them passing out at dawn. Yeah. And it, having... It's, a, it's straight, like, as soon as the sun crests, like, they yeah. just flat pass out. And if they're out in the light, they'll burn up. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool convention because, I'm um, again, I'm not, like, an expert on vampire fiction. But I thought that was a cool um, addition. I liked that. Um you know, when I and there were some things that I was like, eh, vampires, whatever. So, like, you know, they can only sustain themselves on human or animal blood, blah, blah, blah. So, Jody turns flood and then they, I don't know, they go out and into she the likes world. Him. And, She's yeah. like attracted to him and wants to be with him, I guess. They're in love, but it seems like they haven't been dating that long. It's probably like, I don't know what the the first book probably outlined. Like right, how long. right, how they met and, and all it's, that. It's probably only like a month or two tops. Couple, couple, I would say six months tops. Like, yeah. they don't. They're not living together until obviously now when they're kind of on the run as vampires. Um, so they're basically the book is just at the beginning is just them trying to become vampires, trying to be adults and also trying to be a couple. So it's the struggle of a couple. And I feel that a lot of people could probably see themselves and, in that despite the fantasy. Yeah. Um, and setting. Flood is like exasperated at the start of the novel for yeah. having being turned into a vampire. But he kind of gets into it a bunch because you get all the fun, super strength and agility right, right. and like the eternal youthfulness which i suppose is a plus yeah and and this this also sticks with the typical vampire trope of like when you get turned into a vampire your body becomes the most perfect version of itself uh so like all your toes straighten out and your freckles go away and your scars go away and you're extremely pale and basically the most perfect that you could be because pale is perfect of course <laughs> yeah apparently um so anyway they eventually get into some shenanigans because Oh, uh, what so happens? At the, at, the, at the end of the last book, I'm assuming, there was a group of people that Flood worked with. He works in a grocery store. A oh, Safeway. he works in a Safeway. And there's a bunch yep. of people that he works with on the night shift, and Called. they call themselves the animals as a crew because I guess they just get up to hijinks and party all and the And because they're like the shitty employees who work overnight and don't want to really do anything. Yeah, and they I do guess. like a shitty job restocking all the yeah. time. Not, not to stereotype that shift, but like that's how it's portrayed. There, in the book. There's a reference to apparently like frozen turkey bowling or something yeah so so this is the thing in this book that i that kind of bothered me is that i don't understand how they still worked there and had jobs it seems like they literally never worked they just hung out on their shifts and did things like turkey bowling instead of actually it, it didn't mention them actually restocking things once in a while just to like make it look like they were still doing something yeah, but like does the safeway not have cameras i mean i just it doesn't really lazy yeah. managers i suppose at this safeway. Uh, yeah and and this is where is, where does this take place i, I think it's california I'm yeah yeah it, sure is, california. it is california yep you're right so yeah continue i want to say because like the animals there i believe i don't remember all of their names i forgot how many there are i believe there's seven of yes them. there are seven and that becomes uh, a thing so it's, almost, it, it's literally like there's a snow white and the seven dwarves thing happening in this book that does happen later when a hooker named blue gets involved that the animals all purchased collectively as a group because at the end of the last uh, book yeah they 
they all fought that vampire that turned Jody. His name's Elijah. Yeah, he they had a big blew, yacht. They blew up he his had a shit. huge art collection yep. and they stole it and sold it for like a billion dollars or something and they got 600,000 between all of them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it wasn't a billion, but it was it was, it was They a had $600,000 that they yeah. literally all spent on this one prostitute. How do you spend $600,000 on one prostitute? For over a period of 4 days. I mean, there was drugs involved. Not even yeah, not even that there long. There was drugs and stuff involved yeah. too, but like you could at least get like seven prostitutes. No. No, Chris. They, I don't know. They all. And anyway, let so, me see. Hold on, because I want to. We're getting <laughs> off topic. No, the this is this is this is relevant because okay. the, after be, the the setup is just them being a couple, and then it it turns to the animals right, ring right, right. in blue. The her, the hooker calls herself blue because uh she painted herself blue, much like she Tob- dyed her skin blue. Yeah, she much like Tobias from Arrested Development, she blew herself. Yes, and that's like a gimmick. I guess she's trying to be like an Asari from Mass Effect or something. Well, yeah, she also has all these other fake you know augmentations. Like- but there's seven of them and I'm, let me see if I can remember all of them. Oh, man. There's Lash the yep. black one which is like literally the only thing they talk about with him. Yep. There's Troy Lee the yep. Chinese one. There's Gustavo the Mexican one. Yeah why you're doing better than I would. There's Drew, Drew yep, the Christian correct. one. Or is no, that another Lash one? Lash is the Christian one. No, 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 no. The black guy isn't the Christian one. There, oh. There's another guy who's super Christian. It's not Drew, but Drew is one of them. Yeah, Drew is another one. I think he might be the jock one. Yeah, or yeah, something. yeah. He is. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a, the Christian one and like two or three others that I forgot. So yeah. it's really like this Snow in the Seven Dwarfs situation where you have like blacky, Mexican y, Chinese y, Christy, <laughs> oh, and like God. jockey or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's really. So anyway, everyone in this book is kind of um, a grotesque caricature oh, yeah. of a stereotype. And. We'll talk about that later. So as the story moves on, um, there's also some other minor characters like the emperor who is a homeless guy with dogs. And he 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 was probably he and his dogs were probably side note. The emperor of San Francisco is what he calls himself. And he has two dogs that follow him around. He apparently appears in Christopher Moore's other books. Like he's a recurring character that regardless of what the story he was line, also based on a real person. Yeah, the, uh, he meant the, there's like an author's yeah. note that mentions that and that character apparently like pops up in all the different mm, yep. book series that he has and kind of links things together yeah. there's also a section I, I read something in this book is like other characters from another book series pop up i don't know who they were oh there's um there's another book with um so at one point in the story jody the female vampire goes into a pawn shop and that guy in the pawn shop and that scene is in another oh. of Christopher Moore's books, which is uh, which part of which is uh, an excerpt of which is at the back of. Oh, this I book. didn't so, read the excerpt. So. so I do like. I feel like afterward when I read that, I was like, "Oh, this is actually really cool that he kind of has this." He, I'm assuming he must have mapped out this like whole other story sure. and then has you know has different parts of that story in different books. So that's cool. Um, anyway, like as the story goes on, uh, Jody and flood basic end up getting like a minion who is this teenage goth girl and her friend jared so abby and jared they, they and run then, into her at a cvs a walgreens a Walgreens, whatever same thing because <laughs> like uh flood and jody are looking for syringes for syringes they're trying to save blood in their fridge yeah that's, so that's they, they just want to stock up on blood and they like ask abby and her friend jared where the syringes are and they think they're heroin addicts because they're so pale yeah, and, and yeah. stuff like that but abby becomes enamored with yeah. flood yep and so they use that to kind of turn her into a minion because as vampires you know they're kind of on the run from after after like what happened with blowing up the yacht and taking that guy's stuff and the cops kind of told them like hey if you disappear we're not going to pursue you so they're trying to find a new apartment move move away and they need somebody who's a day walker basically who can who can do that for them so he um 
takes advantage of Abby's obvious obsession with him and uh, meets her at some goth club and convinces her to be their minion. And um, I actually thought her chapters were some of the funniest. I agree, um, actually. Abby's I thought were, you would hate them. No, because they reminded me of, like, of kids that age who yeah, are into it, that it, shit, they're Actually, know? it's actually, like, I mean, there's some stuff where, like, it's it definitely it's sounds little, like a dad trying to cop the identity yeah. of a teen girl. But some of it is pretty spot on to the tone of, okay, like, a like, MySpace post or like, something. Let's, like, let's compare, you know, the, uh, the attempt at teenage writing in this book to David Duchovny's Holy Cow and oh. you understand how much oh, better it is. Oh, you're so right. Actually, you're right because <laughs> in, in, in Holy Cow, it was unbearable. Oh, it was unbearable. And this one, like, she is... It sounds very, very plausible. She is unbearable, but that's because she's a teenage girl yeah. who is, like, obsessed with being a vampire or, like... Yeah, and, and I mean, and again, these are, as I said, kind of grotesque caricatures of people, so it's, you know, it's taking that to an extreme and maybe it's funny to me because, hey, when I was 14, like, I also looked like Abby Although I don't think I was uh, as horribly annoying as her. Yeah, but, I had my goth face too. Yeah, so. like we all we all kind of went through that. Many people did, so that was funny. Um, and then you know they get their, them as their minions, and they start trying to help them rent a new apartment. Uh, they keep feeding off of this homeless guy William, who, and their their exchange is like keeping him in the hallway and giving him a place to sleep. They at one point in the beginning and shave his cat to try to feed off of it, and they have to put a sweater on it, and they feel bad and like that. I love Chet the cat. The, Chet the cat. William, was William the man. has a sign that like evolves over the course of the story, <laughs> yeah. where he's like, "Ask me about my huge cat or something." <laughs> yeah, because because the cat is a thirty five pound cat. It's like a fat, huge, fat ass cat, yeah. and then like after they shave it to try and get like into the blood because they don't want the fur in their mouths, yeah. it, it turns into like, "Ask me about like." Someone stole my huge cat. Someone shaved my huge cat. <laughs> yeah, asked me about my shaved cat. Asked me about my cat in a sweater. Yeah. Yeah, so Chet, the cat, and then um, Bummer and Lazarus, the dogs that belong to the emperor, the three actual, like, dogs and cats are probably my favorite characters. Yeah, they, they, the they act pretty hilariously. Chet is, like, kind of, like... Chet's great. Like, Chet. annoyed, it seems, at all times. Yeah. or like, But, like, still deals with getting bitten pretty fine. Yeah. I'm surprised. Well, I guess, I guess I take that back. I like the relationship between William and Chet and the relationship between the Emperor and his dogs. I, I thought yeah. that was really good. Um, as the story progresses, you know, Elijah eventually escapes his embronzement, en- uh, however. He, like, they had the bronze statue, like, with them in their apartment, and they, like, even tried to move it across. And, and that's how it ends up getting fucked up. What happens, actually, is, like, yeah. uh, Flood is trying to, like, dump the bronze statue in a river, and it's becoming light, so he has to run and find a hiding place. And so he's just like, yeah. "I'll fuck it. I'll just leave the statue on the dock, and I'll deal with it l- tomorrow night." So then a chapter ha- ends up having where, where like some like gang members roll up on it and they want to steal it or something. Yeah, because they think it's worth money. And uh, while they're dragging it, they end up chipping it, chipping it, and he gets out. He and, gets out with, and then Eli- and then Elijah starts, you know, causing havoc around the city, murdering people, and. Oh, yeah. The other weird pe- thing about vampires in this book is, like, if a vampire takes a victim and bleeds them dry, like, takes all of their blood, they turn to dust. Yeah. Just so like there's ashes. no there's no remnants except for clothing and, and other accoutrements. So there's so, not much of a body to hide. However, if which they is kind of sweet, but also yeah. seems kind of weird. If they feed a little bit and then you also drink the blood of that vampire, you turn to a vampire yourself, which is a thing I've heard before in yeah, other vampire yeah. stories. Like, that's how you actually yeah. turn into a vampire. And um, But, like, if you don't drain them fully... Then of course there's a body and they could maybe die. Jody kills some people. She, she turns does. a couple people to ash in this way. There's yep. like an old man she meets in a park when she like it's like the it was first night way. after like 
It was in an alleyway. Yeah, in an alleyway. Uh, at, it's like one of the first nights where she goes out on her own and she like dresses super sexy, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a, there's a passage in the book where it talks about how she feels empowered Very as a vampire empowered, yeah. because she used to feel unsafe as a woman walking at mm-hmm. night. And now she likes to walk around yeah. almost like dressed as sexily as possible mm-hmm. yep. in order to feed on people and like have this sense of power, which I think is a neat little twist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. Um, So anyway, you know, as the story progresses, they're obviously like the cops find out that they're still in the city so like the cops are onto them they have to deal with elijah escaping let me clarify that there was two detectives that in the previous book they cut a deal with jody yeah. to basically like let them off the hook because they don't want everyone knowing about vampires or yeah. something i'm um, not entirely sure why like oh because they got a cut of the money yeah they did um so you know and then like blue gets involved because the animals come back from vegas with her in tow somehow and you know hijinks ensue blah blah, blah and then at the end of the book i don't know everything kind of wraps up well, yeah, uh, Elijah breaks out of the thing and causes some havoc. He like stalks the apartments where he knows Jody yeah. to be, and he he realizes Abby is a minion of there, so he kind of like stalks. He doesn't really attack her ever yeah. for whatever reason. Um, then there's this other character named Steve. Oh yeah, the the I don't know. He's an Asian dude that Abby like sort of like. She transfers her obsession from Flood to, him. to Steve because Steve saves her life from Elijah by using giant UV lights. And like a c- cool jackets that he made with UV bulbs in them, which he, is kind of interesting. She refers to him as like a Final Fantasy character come to life, which I thought was kind of cute because she, he has like a fancy fuzzy hair. Yeah, she thinks he's like her he's a, manga cute boyfriend or yeah. something. It's dumb. Um, she makes a reference to herself being like his gaijin princess or something. Yeah. Which I had to fucking like roll my eyes yeah, at. But it's, again, it's a teen girl. Yeah, so again, it, yeah, it makes sense. But Steve is in contact with them because he figured some, that, that there are vampires around. He thinks he has a way to reverse it. Yeah, he's a he's like a grad student working on gene therapy, so he's interested in trying to reverse that uh, that their affliction through gene therapy. And um, he's literally like a end. cool Asian scientist that drives yeah. in to save everyone's life all the time. Yep. Um, and then at the end of the book, it kind of. You're left on. I'm. Sh- I don't. I think that this is the second book in a yeah, series. Yeah, there's a third so, book. So the very end is like you know, all's well that ends well. You know, everything kind of settles. But then Jody and um, and Flood kind of have a moment where they're where Jody's like, I love being a vampire, and Flood's like, Oh no, it kind of sucks. And then they like pass out together. So I think I'm sure the third book is them dealing with that. Well, no, you know, it talks about them being encased in a statue together. Yeah, and then yeah, that's right. And they get encased in a statue together. By the I'm way, sure... the, the way people are bronzed is there's it, like it, yeah. a, there's like a biker bar or like a bike like a, a. It's not a bar. It's a it's a biker um, crew shop th- that like they bronzes. do they, they do, do electroplating yeah. and bronzing. Yeah, and so yeah. for some reason, I guess in the first book they convinced them to like make the statue of Elijah and like electroplate him. And there's a scene actually where like Elijah is like feeding on someone outside of this thing, and like the biker like opens the shutter and sees it, and he's and like, then closes he's it. Like, Oh, nope, never mind. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, at the end of the story, Abby and J- Abby and her friend Jared have uh, Flood and Jody bronzed, so they are trapped in the statue together. But I'm sure that that... The Empire you know, Strikes Back carbonite ending, yeah, I suppose. Right. But in- so... Um, all right, so good things about this book. Um, it was a quick read. It was very easy to read. It was short. There's not like um, a lot of meat. Like we basically gave you like every, most of the story beats. There's a lot yeah. of humor and jokes that we missed, obviously. Right, that but. We'll, we'll talk about. But um, it was really easy to read. It was quick. Um, I Like I said, I, I th- I've talked about some of the things I like. I liked kind of the changes he made to the sort of classic vampire thing. Like I really liked the passing out at dawn and 
all that. You gotta um, do your own original something with vampires, yeah. or else even if you're satirizing it, like it's yeah, just kind of like, oh, I get the vampire lore all the time, you know. Um, yeah, I really, like I said, I really loved um, Chet the cat, and then Bummer and Lazarus, the two dogs that the Emperor had. I liked the Emperor; I thought he was a cool character. Um, I mean, the, I think that there were a lot of jokes that were funny. Um, I liked the closer of the ending of the book in which uh, Chet the cat is turned into a vampire and hops on William to feed on yeah, him. Yep, so Chet. that's like the sort of the stinger at the end, which was funny. Yeah, I liked that. I liked, I liked Chet the vampire. That might be my where my one hit was. Because at the beginning of the book, I thought he was going to be a vampire, but then he, it never happened. And I was like, oh, damn. Then I have it right at the end. And I was like, yeah, you go, Chet. I was yeah. like, yeah, you, you go, Chet. You get, you get that blood. He's a huge, fat, shaved vampire cat in a sweater yeah in a red sweater <laughs> so, um i mean there were some things that made me laugh uh and then there were some jokes that i thought how uh, yeah, this is a good way to segue into this because let's talk about how everyone in this book is horny all the time yeah, yeah so everybody is horny <laughs> so, all the time well and this this also ties into kind of my bigger question which is is it okay that these characters are like grotesque caricatures of stereotypes or does that just normalize it and make all the like racism and constant you know constant horniness and all that shit does that just make it like does it normalize it you know and and that's that's my concern with some of this stuff like everyone being horny all the time kind of i think that's just him poking fun at the vampire romance genre but it's not even just the vampires that are horny yeah even william constantly asks jody to like see your tits like at all times yeah and and like i think you you know when we were just talking talking about like brief notes i remember you were like you know is it just lazy writing and i was like yeah i mean it could be because honestly what makes people laugh all the time the things they're uncomfortable about what are those things sex and death true so i do think that it, it could have been a mechanism for a lot of cheap jokes throughout the book. Yeah, the cheapest yeah. jokes are just William going like, "Hey, Jody, can I see your tits?" Yeah. Like, and and honestly, I didn't think that was funny. I thought it was annoying. Um, I re- so like the first. I'm not even joking. The first 20 pages of this book, there are two rape jokes. Yeah, and it made me yeah. not want to finish it. I was like, "This is fucking ridiculous." I was so mad. Blood makes a reference to I can just find messing it. with Jody while she's sleeping. And he's extremely cavalier about it. Um. Yeah. I mean. And so is she, kind of. Well. I so hang on. Like it, it, it's honestly like okay. Hey, I'll find the part. Yeah. Um. You had sex with me while I was unconscious. Jody said. That's not the same. Tommy said. I was just being friendly. Like when you put a quarter in someone else's parking meter when they aren't there. You know they appreciate it later, even if they don't thank you personally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like and Jesus like, it's Christ. Kinda, like Jody, like kind of like doesn't care aside from that one mention of it. Um, yeah, and there's and, a lot of stuff with Blue. I don't know if the, the animals ever messed with her while she was unconscious or anything. No, but, no, no, I don't think so. And like she was paid for her services, but at the same time, yeah, they Blue make a lot is, of references to like really going through the ringer with her with like everything. Yeah, Blue. So Blue is a pro- that prostitute they hired in Vegas, and she has you know big fake tits, big fake uh, silicone lips, and like she's dyed blue. There's so. actually a part where like when she turns into a vampire, like her boobs are rejected, and, and her, like, her, li- and her, her lip implants are like. Yeah. shot out of her lips or something yeah. like that which is funny i guess yeah i don't know i Not was like, really, eh. like and and yeah so i don't know so the the fucking initial like rape jokes because they talk about it twice in the first 20 pages i was like i remember i i texted chris and i was like dude is the whole book like this and he was like no no, no it stops and i was like all right because i don't know it's just one of those things where it's like is it ever okay to make a rape joke <sighs> 
Very, it's, very rarely. There might yeah. be some. Like It's very context heavy. Definitely put me off the book. I would say that that was kind of a tough opener. Uh, I'm not really sure why. Because it's not funny. And that's the yeah. thing. It's not when it's when they're talking about it, it's not funny joke because, you know, Flood is getting mad that uh, I don't know. It's getting mad at something. And then Cause Jody you know, turned him into a vampire. Right. Jody turned him into a vampire. And then she was like, yeah, well, you had sex with me while I was unconscious. And he and then, you know, like I just read, he tries to justify it. And then they, and a few uh, pages later, they have another exchange. And it's clear that Jody was not OK with it. And yet, it's just kind of glossed over, and they never. Talk about it. At the same time, she's like jumping his bones like at nearly every opportunity, and she's like into it at the same time. She doesn't seem to like have a problem with being intimate with him. Yeah, after. but this is—I mean, this is like the spouse—the case of spousal rape, right? Just yeah. because you consent once doesn't mean you consent. Every I understand time. that, but yeah. like she—I don't—I don't like. Yeah, well, and this is. One it of doesn't my weigh on book. her mind much in the rest of the book. Is yeah, what I'm saying. I mean, and, yeah. So there's there's like a couple of sex scenes, but I will say. They are probably the best written sex scenes because they cut away and they don't describe really any of the fucking, uh, which I really appreciate. Apparently vampires fuck like very messily and like yeah. destroy area. Like it's a very animalistic. And- yeah. And I thought that was funny. And I just really liked that. I didn't have to sit here and read about tits getting sucked again like throughout the entirety <laughs> like, of the last book we yeah. read thank so, god that they didn't make some kind of blood titty nipple yeah. milk reference uh, well i was actually really surprised because this book is really crass and like does have a lot of sex jokes also and, it's like, literally called you suck yeah so right. um yeah so it, i yeah it was uh it was nice that i didn't have to read actual sex scenes i mean they definitely talk about some shit like blue the hired prostitute she's supposed to be like almost like blowing like, people constantly like nearly 24 yeah. 7 has a dick in her mouth right. but she also orders the animals around after yeah. a certain period like so i mean it seems like she's supposed to be kind of like the hooker with a heart of gold except she doesn't have a heart of gold in this one she just wants all the money to and herself power and but she already they already pay her and she just wants more or something like i don't yeah and she's you know it's another another caricature of a person i think you thomas know? like i mean flood steals the money back or something there was like yeah, a briefcase yeah. so like yeah. she's after that and she right. gets turned into a vampire eventually and she starts turning the animals into vampires yeah so now there's like way too many vampires running around and as chris said you know it's one of those situations where it's like well vampirism is supposed to be kept secret but like how every book series i read where there's like a a race of beings that are supposed to be kept secret it seems like throughout the course of the first book so many people get like turned into or like turned on like realize the things happening but like they're all staying quiet like no one's saying anything yeah, that's like when we read Monster Hunter International. We were like, how many tens of thousands of people have seen these monsters and this monster hunting go down and yet somehow but apparently nobody it's a talks huge about it? fucking secret. All that everybody, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Same thing in this book where vampires are supposed to be a secret, but Jesus Christ, there's like 10 of them in this one part of this city. How the, oh, excuse me, how the hell are people not noticing? Um Elijah does mention that he's, like, getting upset that so many people are turning into vampires. And I think three, like, yeah. elder vampires show up eventually yeah. to be like, all right, we got to shut this shit down. Yeah, yeah, because they're like, this is this is threatening, you know, our way of life, basically. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find some, uh, I, I underlined some silly shit in one of the Abby chapters. So, uh, Abby, you know, she's the teenage C- Can you do girl. your best teen girl squad voice? I don't know. Uh... <laughs> Okay, I'm going to read like a page. Um, so for all of her chapters, it says the Chronicles of Abby Normal, you know, and then it gives a subheading. And this one is tortured victim of the daylight dwellers. So here I am again to open my veins and spill my pain onto your pages. 
My dark friend, after 16 years of totally boring existence, I come to you at last with a glimmer of hope to break through the gloom that is my miserable life. Oh my god, I have found him. Or I should say, he has found me. That's right, my dark lord has found me. A for real vampire. He is called the Vampire Flood, and he didn't say, but I think he's descended from European royalty. A viscount or a discount or one of those. I was in Walgreens at Jared when we saw him, and oh my fucking god, he's so hot. In a totally stealthy way. I would have thought he was just a totally mainstream geek or something with his flannel shirt and jeans, but he asked us about buying syringes, and I told Totally saw his fangs come out. So I was like, can I hook you up with my dealer? Like that. And then he looked at my t-shirt and saw Byron's picture on it. And he quoted, she walks in beauty, which is like my favorite poem. Next to the one by Baudelaire about his girlfriend being nothing but worm food. Except that Lily called that one first because Baudelaire is her favorite poet. And so she got the shirt with him on it, even though Byron is way more scrumptious. And I would do him on sharp gravel if I had the chance. So I went home and changed my clothes and fixed my makeup. And when we got to Glass Cat, we breezed by the door like we were 25 or something. Jared made our IDs himself at Kinko's. And we both looked so mature in our pictures. Although I think he overdid it with the mustache. Anyway, we were there like 10 minutes. And this song came on that I really like, um, Boning You in the Ossuary by Dead Can Dub, which is so cool and macabre. <laughs> okay. That was an excellent read, I have to say. Uh, a plus. Thank I, you. I, I applaud you Woo, right there. Thank you. Um, so I really liked it because I actually, I actually really love the band Dead Can Dance, which is the joke that they're making here with yes. Dead Can Dub. Um, Dead Can Dance does not have any song about fucking in the ossuary. But, but that's a, that's a, but that was like, funny. Right. That yeah. was funny. Yeah. So I, I thought that was good. Um. It's probably... Uh, and there's like seven or eight chapters from Abby's perspective. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. Um, towards the end, it gets... She does talk a bit more. Um, but yeah, so that's silly. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Chris is doing some stuff remember up. Remember some stuff from... <laughs> so I think, you know, like I said, I think uh, Christopher Moore is very successful in uh, the tone of of his work. Like the tone of this character perspectives are, are I think really spot on uh, for this. And yeah, it definitely has some funny moments. I just think that overall, like I said, this isn't a book I would necessarily pick up. Um, and you know, it did have a couple of the issues we discussed. Chris is looking for something. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try my best Abby impression. No, Abby. you should do somebody else. No, I want to do an Abby chapter. <laughs> okay. Chris really wants to be a 16-year-old goth girl. The Chronicles of Abby Normal, dedicated servant of the Vampire Flood. I have been to the lair of the Vampire Flood. I am part of the coven. Kinda. Okay, back up. So I like slept till 11 because we're on Christmas break and only it's called winter break now because Jesus is an oppressive zombie bastard and we do not bow down to his birthday. At least not at Allen Ginsberg High School we don't. Go fighting beatniks. But it's all good because I'm going to have to get used to getting up later if I'm going to be a creature of the night. So, like, first thing, I made some toast, and it burned as black as my soul. And I was so bummed that my tears of despair fell like cold bits of crystal <laughs> to be destroyed on the unforgiving rocks of this miserable life. But then I saw that Mom had left a 20 out on the counter for with a note. Allison. Allison is my day slave name. My mom named me after some song by some Elvis guy, so I totally refused to accept it. Here's your lunch money. Please stop at Walgreens and pick up a, some R.I.D. shampoo for Ronnie's head lice. Veronica is my sister, who is 12 and a total tumor on the ass of my existence. So I was like... Sweet, Starbucks. <laughs> it took forever to pick what I was going to wear, and not just because I'd never rented an apartment before. The light bulb burned out in my closet, and we didn't have any extras, so I had to take everything out of the living room to look at it in the light. Like the song says, I wear black on the outside to reflect the black I feel on the inside, but OMG, it's impossible to tell one thing from another in a dark closet. Since it was going to be a business thing, I decided on my striped tights with my red PVC mini, <laughs> my skull and crossbones hoodie, and my little Converse All-Stars. I went with just a plain stud in my nose, a barbell in my eyebrow, and a simple silver ring in my lip. Understated and elegant. 
I carried my hot pink biohazard messenger bag. Ronnie was all, I want to come with you. I want to come with you. But I pointed out that she was a scourge on humanity. And if she came along, I would tell everyone on the bus she had lice. So she elected to stay home and watch tunes. It was then that I ventured into the undiscovered country and called the number that the vampire flood had given me. And the woman was totally a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, as you as Rate your favorite uh, teen girl uh, impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, who did it better? Chris or Paris? Chris or Paris? (laughs) I want to I want to know. Um. So that's that stuff is funny. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. honestly, if I read like a whole book from Abby's perspective, it might be like pretty funny. I might. I don't know if I, I mean, could. There, and there I don't know if I could bear some, it for the whole thing. Yeah, and there were some kind of like uh, like sneaky one or two liners in there. On honestly, I I don't think that I could really find them right now. But uh, I do like business goth. That's like a funny concept to me. What would you dress if you were dressing up as a business goth? What, how would you dress? I mean, that's how I dress for work every day. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, that's my life. Business uh, Well, I, I have to dress business casual. Most of my clothes are black. I have some I have some colors, but, like... I think if I was trying to be business goth, it would be, like, um, a black pinstripey kind of, like, almost, like, 20s gangster. Wait, so you look like fucking Beetlejuice? Oh, yeah, totally. That's basically what I would be going for. Except I don't... I'm bald, so I would have right. to wear, like, a wig on top of that. It would be... No, the, no, just go bald. Then you'd be Jack Skellington. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That, yeah, that's my business goth persona is uh, Jack Skellington. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I'm fucking crying. <laughs> post your business goth outfits. Yes, please. Post your business goth personas. Well, Hi, no, I am a... <laughs> I mean, it's kind of true because like, you know, I'm I'm not a goth, but when you're a girl that's into metal, a lot of a lot of people think that you are because there's, you know, plenty of similarities. There's, there's a it's a different, you know, it's a different shade of that, pers- you know, that kind of thing i guess um i certainly wouldn't consider myself goth and never have but that's just the label people sometimes assign me because i you know i keep my um i have two nostril piercings and i and i have enlarged earlobes so like i keep all that stuff in when i go to work because my work is cool um so yeah i think the business goth is there just my name is that. lucifer graves i am the ceo of <laughs> <laughs> business goth international Wait, no it's like that what the fuck book were we reading where we did that skit where you were Satan and I was Rebecca, Satan's assistant? Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> off some other, some other, one of our other podcasts. I think it was Monster I, Hunter. Was yeah, it, it might have been. It, it might have been or something like that. Um, yeah, you would be, uh, I would be <laughs> Lucifer Graves, uh, CEO. Like, what would a business, what would a goth business be? Like, just like lip liner and fucking like <laughs> nail paints and, or like a record label or something. Yeah, I mean, it could be anything. Like, I feel like a floral arrangement would be a great goth sure, business. Sure, dead flowers only. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only for funerals. <laughs> so they're not going to get any worse. Right. <laughs> That's right. the tagline. They're not going to get any worse. <laughs> um,. Yeah, so I think um, I also think that overall the book does a really good job of parodying the general vampire romance genre. I think he definitely like hit the nail on the head there because that's what he seemed to be going for. It's also thankfully not like a direct Twilight rip or anything. Yeah, like that. yeah, it's, it's not, a, like it's not a direct like Anne a, Rice or Twilight or anything. Yeah. Oh man, we got to talk about Anne Rice for a second, but finish your thought. <laughs> that's uh, that's really what I was gonna say. It's like I'm glad that it wasn't like a direct rip of like yeah. you know like. Like I said, like exactly Twilight or something like right. that, where they have similar vamp, like everyone's sparkly or something, and there's yeah. like a, a an Edward alike, and then there's a Jacob alike or something like right, that. Right, right. There's, there's none not, of that at all. Right. It's it seems like it was. I mean, it was a it was like original in that sense, but I also think that the plot was kind of a plain ass plot, although. Some of the things were b- bonkers and bizarre, like encasing people in bronze and blowing up a vampire's yacht and stealing all those paintings. Like, 
the the main story beats were kind of the same. Like you have the heteronormative couple, the male and female who are in love or fall in love in the book. You have the their sidekicks and maybe one of them is in love with one of the couple, but it never comes to fruition. And then sure. they have, you know, they have this like uh, this main conflict and then that resolves. And I mean, it's not, you know. It's not fucking breaking barriers here, but it's it's a. You know. I don't think a book like this needs a complex plot. No, anyway, I don't. Especially like so. a parody. I think like the lighter you go on plot in parodies, like the better it is, yeah. honestly, because you have more well, room for jokes. Well, like I said, though, interestingly, beyond the scope of the book, the plot is obviously far more involved because you know there's that that uh, you know this is a book in a series, and then also there's that tie-in with that other character, um, Charlie Asher, I believe, who owns the uh, pawn shop. So I think that Christopher Moore probably has a. Um, yeah, a, kind of a, a more in-depth world, but you only see, you know, a sliver of it in this. And because it's the more you know, literary universe, yeah, we should say. Yeah. Um, so I think that if you're if you're into comedy books, if you want to read something that's going to make you go haha every couple pages, like, you know, this is maybe for you. It's just not really for me. I, I don't really read for humor, I guess. I, I'm fine with it. I Which re- is weird. In I really enjoy Terry Pratchett stuff. Um, what has he written other than Hitchhiker's Guide? No, that's Douglas Adams. Oh, you we, you were talking about Hitchhiker's Guide. Because it's also a very funny book. Okay, I thought that was wrong, because I was like, I didn't think he wrote that. No, 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 that, that was Douglas Adams. <laughs> okay. Uh, Terry Pratchett wrote, he, he has, like, he has like, oh, his own universe, too. Did he write right? Discworld? No, that's someone else. Oh, it might be, actually. I thought it was Terry Pratchett. It might, I, it might be. Um, I know he, Color of Magic, he wrote. Mm, uh, guards, Guards. No idea. Um, th- 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 There's a lot of funny stuff. There's one about, like, death, like, himself, like, trying to like pass his mantle on i forget what that was called oh oh are you thinking of the series i'm thinking of that's not by terry pratchett and by that other famous fantasy author that i can't remember i don't think so <laughs> um because i loved the series when i, I was, know what you're talking about the one that you made uh, the the color of incarnations of immortality that's not that one not Piers no. anthony no Piers anthony so i loved the incarnations of immortality series when i was like 14 15 i read all of them and i thought they were awesome and then i have a terry pratchett book downstairs that i will give you okay What's it called? Uh, the Color of Magic. Okay. Um, and then I found out, I think actually through talking to you, you were like, oh, that guy's a fucking creep. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then you were like, <laughs> you were like, you should really read those books again because I think you would see them differently as an adult. Did he have one <laughs> called like The Color of Her Panties or something? Uh, I'm 90% sure that was a book that Piers Anthony wrote. I don't know. But I, he wrote like, so all the incarnations of immortality I really liked. And then I think he wrote Isle of Woman, which was a cool, which was like a coolish book. But again, I read these like, I'm so fucking old now. I read these like half my life ago. So mm. maybe you should revisit them and try them out again. Yeah. Maybe we'll revisit them for this thing or something. But, um, oh yeah, that's right. I want to talk about Anne Rice. So while we're talking about very popular vampire fiction, um, so when I was, I want to say four or six my two favorite movies were interview the vampire and dracula two movies that are incredibly inappropriate for a child of that age <laughs> to have seen like- let alone liked um the backstory there is that uh my parents were awful and my mom would just rent movies all the time and didn't really monitor the fact that i was in the room so um i learned to really love vampire movies as a very tiny baby can i ask you what <laughs> do you know what drew you into liking them so much as a very i think they were child? just very stunning visually when you're a small child and you've never seen anything like that before anything like fantastical you know okay. with, you know with really pale people and all these action shots and like Again, if you're a little kid and all you've ever seen are cartoons and stuff, then you see sure. a real life thing that's like a cartoon in a way, you know, very, like I said, kind of yeah. fantastical yeah. and big. I think I think that really, 
draws you in. Um, I then I then rewatched them as an adult uh, recently because uh, my boyfriend Paul actually hadn't seen either of them, <laughs> and I was like, and every year we do a Halloween every month. Um, every month, every year we do a Halloween thing for the month of October. We try to watch thirty one horror movies in thirty one days. Many people do this. Um, We've actually succeeded the past two years, though it was it was kind of brutal. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we watched uh, those two movies as part of it, and he was just like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? How how were these two of your favorite movies as a child?" I was like, "Yeah, I don't know, man. This is pretty this is pretty messed up." And we got talking about Anne Rice and stuff, and he was like, "Oh, I've never read any of the books." And I said, "Oh, well, I read the Vampire Lestat. I read uh, Interview with the Vampire, and they were they're fine. I think Anne Rice's writing gets a little." too fucking she's steamy in places yeah and, yeah and i don't i don't really like sex and i'm not just not into that and um not i'm not into sex and books sorry I'm, it's not that i'm not i'm very into sex she's great Christ. awesome sound clip for everyone <laughs> to, to not what i damn it everyone just, gets to know paris is super into sex you all well, most fucking adults are no one just wants to say yeah it, most but. fucking adults are <laughs> survey says most adults who fuck <laughs> like to fuck <laughs> On this episode of Family Feud. Um, yeah. So no, the thing. So the thing that always <laughs> we surveyed a hundred adults who were inside of each other at the time. <laughs> Imagine how would that survey go down? Would you have to? Like, Excuse me, ma'am. Yeah, would you <laughs> get out of my room? I mean, you'd have to. You'd have to know when people were having sex, and then, so you'd have to camp out in someone's room and wait. Like they'd have to be exhibitionists for that yeah, to work, basically. and then that would skew your results because you're getting all the same type of person. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> I'm thinking about this way too too much as about like a data thing. Anyway, something I always I never liked about Anne Rice's writing was that I felt like she would spend two pages on the details of a fucking curtain. Like it was just like, dude, move on. Um, like George R. R. Martin and food. I don't know. I love George R. R. Martin, but his feast descriptions are. Lengthy. I think they're fine. <laughs> Rashers of bacon and onions are everywhere. <laughs> Whatever. You set a scene, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I'd rather have him set the scene with food than slaves, okay? No, so, oh, sure. you know what? Give me your roasts. Give me your onions. <laughs> as long as it's not about the curtains. The curtains, Father. Yeah, like, uh, like, I remember reading... I think it was in, it was in either the Vampire Lestat or the interview with the vampire, but there was literally a page and a half about... Like, the texture and pattern on a curtain and, like, how it swayed. I don't know. It was very terrible. And, he, and then um, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, I didn't really like the, like, they were okay, but I, I didn't like them enough to continue with any of her other work. And I said, oh, I do remember reading this one called Taltos, though, and it totally fucking blew. And I just, oh, I just didn't even, like, I forced myself to finish it. It was huge, and I hated it. It was so bad. And he was like, yeah, I heard about this book where, like, <laughs> like, I don't know, one of her books, it's like this thing about all these witches in a family and how they keep fucking this dude who, uh, I don't know, gets is either immortal or keeps getting reborn, and then one of them gets impregnated with him and then, like, fucks him after he gets born, and, like... Yep, yep that's and, a book, all right. And then, come to find out, that book was in the same series as the terrible Taltos book I read, and I was oh. like, oh my god, that whole series must be garbage. Um, and, Maybe yeah, we're, we're just... Future 
Terrible. But we and this led into a conversation of like how kind of once you get established as an author, you can kind of put out whatever and people will eat it up and not pay true your mortgage, like right? Any, so. any kind of like media or art form. Once yeah. you have a fan base, like unless you like you really tank some shit, and even then people will still stick around just because they've heard of you before. I mean, look at the president of the United States. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> there you go. Oh man, we're getting. Or how about like Metallica with that Lou Reed album that was? Uh, like, I'm a table of a table. <laughs> Put your vases on me on the table. Yeah. So like, I, I guess once you cross a certain threshold of be like you know gaining an audience, you can kind of. I mean, maybe that's just to because artists are allowed to experiment and try different things, and like you just don't throw yeah. someone out immediately if they make one trash thing. Right. Because right. any art, you know, people that's person that's creative is not going to hit every single time. Some do, but very rarely. Like some of my favorite bands have definitely released some stinkers. Yeah, I mean, as a musician, I mean, both of us are musicians, and we we are well aware that not everything we put out is good. I mean, I'm at the point where I just want to like scrub my band's demo off the face of the internet. That's kind and... of my fault a little bit. So <laughs> it's a little <laughs> yeah, bit my fault. Well, that's true. Yeah, Chris used to be in the band with me, but um, and you like know... the person we went to, like I was kind of on my recommendation, and like the yeah, way we did it, I was like, kind of on my recommendation. Didn't really go. It did, well. Yeah, uh, I've made some mistakes in my time. You know, and and so have I. Uh, you know, I mean, and whatever. But a- as a person who creates art, you know. You learn from those mistakes and you move on. And hopefully, if they're far enough in your past, no one will remember it. Exactly. <laughs> um, at least uh, I hope that is the case. My dad was asking me about like some video that he took of like one of my high school bands, and I was just like, "No, I'm not telling you the name of that band. You never, I'm never gonna let you find that shit because that, that thing was oh, atrociously no. horrible. Like, I want to erase that band's yeah. memory from my like just." Paris and I like to go look at this subreddit called Crappy Music a lot because we like to we like crappy art. It's kind of our thing. A yeah, little bit. I don't. I mean, does that make you know? Some people have said like you know that's kind of really fucked up, and I'm like, well, not really. I mean, if we're anything, not going to them and like going to these people's pages and like messaging them and be like, you're no, fucking an asshole or anything. We're just we're just observing and critique. And I want for me the fascinating. Not to cut you off, I'm sorry, but the it's me, fine. You do it all the time. I know. Keep going. The fascination <laughs> for me is that I want to know if this thing was salvageable. Is there something yeah. that I could have came in and like produced them into? Like, maybe that's narcissistic a little bit, but well, no. But I think I think as again as a person who creates things, you can't just look at the, all the successes. You need to look at the failures and the things that are in between because it's kind of like, it's kind of like being overly positive all the time. How you know if you're if you wake up every day and you're like today's gonna be great, and then you get hit by a car, and then you're like my life is great and then you know you lose your leg you know you know what i mean this is kind of a terrible analogy here but um if you're always looking at one side you know you're not you're not really getting the full experience that's going to help you uh make better decisions i guess i think people should be looking at both good art for examples of what went right and bad art for examples of what to avoid thank you for phrasing that in a much more manageable and uh reasonable way i totally fucked that one up Uh, thanks chris you know you're bouncing ideas off each other you did a terrible (laughs) job explaining that i saw what was wrong with it (laughs) and i produced a good version of it i mean see how slick i was i did that just so we could demonstrate the concept Yes. 100% on purpose. 100%. Yeah, I mean, so I guess it is. We do love to look at terrible music videos and hear terrible music and we read terrible books it's also just, good uh, ones like you know but yeah i mean what so what are uh what are you reading what have you read recently that's good well i will say uh for our next book 
We have a patron request that we're reading. Yes. Called uh, Dragon Prince by Melanie Ron. And this was recommended by our patron, Dari. Dari. Thanks, Dari. Uh, thank you again. We're mentioning your name on the podcast as contractually obligated by... <laughs> By your contribution. And like she recommended it because she had like some issues with the book, but I'm like a fifth of the way through it and I'm super into it. Well, she said that she had read the, I think the other books in the series first. And she said that if she had read the first one, she never would have read the other one. So clearly it takes a turn. Maybe something weird starts happening later on. Yeah. Uh, but like so far, like 120 pages in, like I'm digging it pretty hard. Actually, like I'm, I yeah. want to. I, I forgot the book at my girlfriend's place a couple of days ago, yeah. and I was like upset at it because I was like, I want to find out what happens next. I mean, that was kind of how I felt about Aeon Legion. Like I, I did want to keep reading that book, even though you know it was kind of a middle of the road. Overall, still a pretty high, high caliber book for Terrible Book Club, but um, I I liked that story and wanted to keep reading it. I same th- same when like we were reading Wizards First Rule, yeah. Although that was really predictable. That one definitely had but, some problems like later on. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're definitely going to read more sort of true stuff. I was thinking like maybe depending on like if you want to keep reading that stuff, like if you don't want to keep doing it, me and TJ could like branch off and do premium content. Wait, we, what are you what are you talking about? If we kept reading sort of truth. Oh, oh, I I thought you said we're going to keep reading sort of true stuff. And no, I was no, like, no. what are you talking about, Chris? Yeah. This, is, this isn't something we discussed. But like if you if you're sick of sort of truth, maybe nah, I'm not sick of it. But yeah, I think so. TJ should guess when we have a better uh, connection. Or we could do like <laughs> TJ and I read like because there's like side story parts yeah, of, like, that yeah. are later on. So maybe like the chron- chronologically weird ones TJ and I can do for premium content. Yeah. Another idea I had for premium content. If you want to subscribe to our patron, Patreon, sorry, Patreon, pa- Patreon fuck. Um, <laughs> Um, there is a sort of truth TV series that was on Showtime yep. like years and years ago, and it's kind of low budget. So I figured because one of the things we did for our premium uh, subscribers yep. is that the we watched the Maradonia movie and we commented over it. And the file with the movie and our commentary is available on our Patreon if you give us four dollars. Yep, that's or more. pretty or more, pretty low bar. So if you yep. guys want to laugh real hard for almost two hours, uh, it's totally worth it. The Maradonia movie surpassed all of my expectations. Oh, yeah. It in was... The, in the negative direction. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. Uh. Oh, I'll never forget that rooster. <laughs> anyway. Oh, no! <laughs> anyway... Um, so I thought maybe we could do the sort of truth series. Yeah, I think that's a great There's idea. So stuff there. So that's some premium content to look out for. Yeah, I think we'll we'll be doing that. I guess we'll have to figure out how many episodes it is and how how much time we can dedicate to it. But um, I think they're like an hour piece. So like that could be like a, yeah. a like something we do every once in a while to oh, keep. Pretty soon, my life is going to get a little more regular. But I can't really go into uh, details right now because I have not informed all appropriate parties yeah um, you don't want them finding out through this uh that you know with my fucking luck that would totally happen because i know some of the people who work for me and with me uh do occasionally listen to this because i don't know they think it's not well we'll probably upload this tomorrow and then, i i'm still i'm not telling people until yeah. wednesday so like so, if, if people download it, it like you're you know some people will hear this <laughs> i don't think they, they might get a sense of dread in their stomach <laughs> um but yeah i should have um a little more time on my hands to be able to do some premium content with chris so the sword of truth series um i think i also had an idea that we might take a perusing look at some uh, book trailers on youtube yeah so book trailers were a thing we only discovered were real when we when we started reading terrible books um and i remember we thought it was so funny when we read that um uh what's it called mark yes we read mark yeah the one of the house of night books uh 
that that's when we found out book trailers were a thing. Uh, but apparently they're everywhere. Pretty like, common. I, I have no Pretty idea. common. Oh, you should tell them your secret about the House of Night. Oh, um, <laughs> recently my band Graveborn um, did a music video involving lots and lots and lots of books. And I had a trip to a library uh, near me where I basically bought grocery bags full of books at $5 per grocery bag. Which and is kind of rad. It was actually. rad. There's actually like there's a stack of books downstairs that I'm gonna show Paris. I showed her a picture of, which we can like take a look at them yeah. closer. And amongst their wares was the entire House of Night series. Oh, so I grabbed the, the second book. I can't believe you didn't take all of it. I should have, but like I can go back there. It's really close to where I live. Mistakes were made. Um, but uh, so that's probably gonna pop up soon too. We have now have a stack of terrible books to go through. Yeah. If you have recommendations, pay us on Patreon and we will get to your <laughs> yeah. which we're doing for our next one. So Yeah, so um, our next book will be, as Chris said, uh The Dragon Prince just, by Yeah, Dragon Prince by Melanie Ron. Yep, and this was a recommendation uh from Dari Mandeville. Uh yeah. so she also um <laughs> requested so- we read a scene. Uh, uh, that is from that book, but I, it I you might know, be a little uh, yeah. rough to read. So. Um, I, all I'll say is that she sent us a message and said, "Yo, they totally ripped the scene off from the 1990s movie Excalibur," and I was like, "Holy fuck!" Because I loved that movie as a kid. You know, Sir Patrick Stewart and a bunch of other. I haven't necessarily seen anything that might indicate this yet, but again, I'm only like a fifth of the way through the book, yeah. so we'll see how this turns out. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. This is the thing. Maybe that was the thing that made her hate the book. True. This scene and I, that we're it depends read. on like if the the relationship is one to one. Let's say yeah. if in the book, yeah. I I have a feeling I know which character is yeah. going to do the thing, thing, but it's not the same relationship. Right. I'll say th- this and this alone. There's a character in this book who has seventeen daughters. That so is way too many daughters. It's like kind of his curse that he's never been able to get a son. So it's too many daughters. Yeah. So that I way too many daughters. Mm, I'm a little um, wary about all that. Yeah. Um. Fuck. God. What was I gonna say? Anyway. So um, we're reading that scene as like special content for Dari, and that again, that's also that another thing might that's be only... locked behind premium. It is. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's another thing that's um premium content that I might you can... do some fancy audio editing and like add like background. Yeah. That, I mean, like... that's the plan. We're gonna yeah. add like sound effects and we're gonna read the dialogue as oh, realistically as we, as we could. Effects. Maybe we shouldn't do sound effects. <laughs> I mean, like you know like doors closing and fabric sure. swishing not not like not wh- yeah. not where you're going with okay. that all right <laughs> i can only do so much foley work you know <laughs> sir pounce mewing in the background um <laughs> no oh, i hate my life slow applause that's all yeah. very slow applause um, so we haven't we time. haven't talked about this book in like half an hour sure so um i honestly thought we would have more to talk about well the, i guess the thing that I really want to talk about was, you know, is portraying stereotypes in a book okay or does it normalize those stereotypes? Because in this book, the, Troy Lee is the Chinese guy who's really good at math, right? And he's very also Asian stereotype. Also martial arts and... Yeah, he's a black belt in kung fu and he lives with his whole family. I've always erred on the side of depiction is not endorsement. Right, right. But... Are people smart enough to see that? Regardless of that, I think you should be allowed to depict things without necessarily being thinking you're endorsing them. I mean, of course. But when the whole book is that up and down. uh, And and, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I think, okay, I honestly think that Christopher Moore made everybody these kind of stereotypical caricatures because he was trying to point out the fact that that's not okay. But 
I don't know that it reads that way because it's a comedy, and I also don't think people would pick up on that. Yeah. Um, and then, so, like, Troy Lee is problematic because he's a very stereotypical Asian character, and then um, the other Asian guy in the book is actually kind of a hero, which is a twist because most uh, most forms of media relegate, at least in the Western world, relegate Asian men to side characters they're never they're never a romantic interest they're never the hero unless it's a specific specific like martial arts movie yeah steve like basically saves the day like twice over so that was cool and it's also cool to see him as a as a love interest in the book because most of the time asian men asian men are almost never love interests in Mm -hmm. um in media so that actually an asian man stole a white man's girl oh shit which it happens in real life sometimes (laughs) (laughs) oh no oh we're not gonna explain why that was sad and funny at the same time um but and you know and like the the whole jody the female vampire who's hot shit you know she's got long red hair and she's always super attractive and put together and she's the bossy one and she's you know the one who feels empowered by her newfound uh you know vampiric condition um i do i do think that's also very stereotypical it's like not every redhead is a powerhouse vampire sex pot yeah yeah. and and you know flood the main character i guess arguably the main character kind of a cipher like he doesn't really have much to him he's a very regular ass white dude yeah like he's literally from the midwest he wears flannel and and sneakers and black jeans and he's sarcastic uh, uh, he's kind of i don't know he's like he was like a night manager at the safeway and very regular dude um so that that's kind of along the lines that kind of falls along the same lines as like every other story. It's about an average white guy from the Midwest because everyone because that's that is such a large population that the hope is that that population sees this media or reads it and then thinks of themselves in the book and likes it more. I think is kind of the general. Yeah, well, you know, you know people get catered to so often that you know a movie comes out in a in a superhero universe that happens to feature a non-white character in a non-white cast and people <laughs> flip the fuck out. Wait, what? Black Panther. Wait, people are people mad that Black yes. Panther? Why? Yes. Because How, who Marvel is mad about this? Is kowtowing <clears throat> to those social justice warriors by oh having God. a mostly black cast. You know, I'm actually going to we're gonna break off and talk about this very briefly. So I have not seen Black Panther yet. Um I honestly I do not really like any superhero movies. I'm not, not really jam. into it. Um with with the exception exception of Watchmen, because I loved the book. Um and I it's a very different thing. When I was a kid, I loved X-Men. Um, I was super into X-Men and Batman. But as I've gotten older, I really just don't like the superhero movie franchise. I think it really sucks. I'm not really into it. I don't think it really... I don't think any of them have really kind of brought anything to the table. They're all very regular-ass plots with way too much CG, and I'm just not into it. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I have not yet seen Black Panther. However, um, I really love... Um, your movie sucks. It's a movie review channel on YouTube. Uh, this guy Adam has done reviews for years, and I think Adam's great. I really love his commentary. I watch his stuff all the time. Uh, thanks, Adam. At your movie sucks. You are awesome. Um, and he, I was, re- I was watching like him review something. There's Lady in the Water. That was yep. really funny. Yep. Um, and and. I don't know, maybe something else. And somehow he ended up talking for a few minutes about Black Panther. And I have to agree with him. He was like, I can't believe that this movie is at the forefront of political conversations in this country. It's ridiculous because the movie itself 
is just another Marvel movie. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with people? That That's kind of the thing. Like, the, the setting is really unique. I will have to say, like, yeah. it, it's really cool to see, like, such a different setting. For, it's basically, like, it, it. it's almost like Thor, almost, but, like, with an African setting. Yeah. And, like, it, it was really cool to see, like, different art styles and, like, yeah, different I mean, architecture I, styles. Don't get me wrong. Like, and he, he kind of said, said it. I mean, he said it best. So if you can find his, uh, his quickie review of Black Panther, it's kind of how I feel. It's like... Yeah, it's super cool to see, you know, a cast with almost entirely people of color, like this African Afrofuturist setting, like super cool and different. But it's the actual, superhero. but the actual meat of it is still bland as shit. But that's what gets the public, that you know, because that that's why it's super popular. But yeah. you had these other movies like Moonlight and yes, stuff and that. that and that was the exact comparison he made because the director of that is one is like his one of his favorite directors, and he was like. Whereas Moonlight is an astounding film about people of color and it's much more socially conscious and has like a lot of different. But then again, you know, that's not for everyone. And honestly, Black Panther reaches a wider audience. Thus, it has more cultural impact. Yeah. And I think I think where, you know, I might I might differ with Adam a little bit is like, yeah, I think it's ridiculous that this is the thing people are playing to. But at least it's it making people reach. talk about a, race and yeah, cinema it, it and has, media. It has a broader reach. Yeah. It's the same thing with pop music and why yeah. that's technically... You can cry all day about pop music is trash and like my prog ass metal thing is super cool and like so much more intricate and has more profound things to say. But if you have this wide-reaching voice and you use it to say something worth saying, what's the problem? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do wish people would kind of stop sucking off the movie every second they got, because I don't know about you, but my social media feed is just inundated with Black Panther. Oh, I'm buying this Black Panther merchandise. Was, oh, my God, Black Panther. Oh, out of, like, all, out right, of all the Marvel movies I've seen, and I've seen quite a bit of them because my brother was a huge <laughs> comic book fan, <laughs> You're, giant no. comic book fan. Like, uh, Yeah, your brother is a, a special level of nerd when it comes to that shit. It, it, it's, it's impressive, honestly. Like, I, I, Yeah, this dude, your brother really loves Power Rangers and Spider-Man. Those are his two jams, right? His yep. two main jams, yeah. And it's an impressive, and like, so I've watched a lot of these things, and honestly, it, it's one of the better ones. Mm. It the, the, the writing is good, the dialogue is good. Good. The the setting alone, I think, is what I really, really love. Yeah. But anyway, this isn't Black Panther podcast. No, so, I just I just wanted to talk about it for a second. Some um, filler space. Anyway, we should be probably wrapping. Do you have anything else to say about this book? Um, I feel like I probably did in my notes, but I don't remember at this point. All right, I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think that. Was- uh, yeah. Again, this book um is really crass and has a lot of really raunchy jokes in it. So like, if you're not uh if you're not into that. Don't pick up this book because this book talks about blowjobs and coming and fucking and all kinds of shit. So like, oh, don't my delicate ears. Yeah, well, I'm just telling people yeah. because I don't. We didn't really dive into the the uh, text of the book. I I really honestly should have done a better job going through and earmarking and highlighting things that that showed the um the very good. Um, I I think that Christopher Moore. Uh, does a really good job describing some things. He has some really good descriptive um, phrases and sentences in here, and I just really suck and forgot to highlight yeah, them. Definitely so. not sure to read. Maybe we'll, for future books, we'll both try to make a point of taking notes like directly in the book so they're visible and stuff. Well, I usually, I actually usually do take no, more notes, but I just didn't. Um, I think that uh, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't really have anything else um, to say. But Christopher Moore is a prolific um, comedy writer. He has, like we said, this is one. This is the second book in a three book series. He has other books in this world, and then he has many other books that have you know really ridiculous titles and things like that. I don't know if they're set in the same universe, um, but I know they are. You know, 
of a sim of similar ilk. Uh, his other works include the stupidest angel, <laughs> the lust lizard of melancholy cove, island of the sequined love nun, <laughs> and good practical one. deep in keeping. That- so, um, I think yeah, if you're if you're looking to laugh at something that's kind of a little like supernatural, then this is for you. Also, if you're you know not squeamish about sex jokes, that's just this is for you. Um, but I think if you, if you're not really somebody that reads comedy, then it's not for you. Um, so yeah. All right. So like, we'll wrap it up with the usual with, by saying like, if you have a comment or something to say to us, please, uh, you know, yeah, reach out via uh, Twitter, our email, we, Facebook. We love hearing from people. We got a couple of actually more frequent comments. I think me begging for attention has like, <laughs> brought the, you know, some people out of the woodwork. Oh yeah. Um, somebody on Twitter. Oh God, I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot your name. Um, but we had a brief exchange because she saw a copy of wild animus. Mm-hmm. out in the wild as mm-hmm. it were mm-hmm. um there's actually a picture of me holding a wild copy of wild animus in a thrift store as well uh that my friend liz uh actually my friend mike took um send and in i your, can't find it i have to find that picture send in your shots of you discovering wild animus in the wild yeah yeah we could put together a coffee table book I, you know honestly i am so pissed that that episode was lost because that is the worst Actually, book yeah, that is that not reminds me top. the thing that I wanted to say if for some reason if you're a fan and you have downloaded an episode of this podcast from like the previous uh, generation of Terrible Book Club before we went on hiatus and I lost a bunch of the files if you have that raw file contact us send it to me yeah, I will oh reward my. you in some fashion yeah oh my god it might we, be like a fiver through PayPal or something yeah, like that but, but like but we seriously need the especially so we I think we're missing like eight episodes right yeah maybe more than that maybe Wild maybe Animus 10. is the one that I really really yeah. really want if someone also, has, if wild, you're listening to this you have a file of wild yeah. animus on your computer i please um, i am begging you <laughs> i would say wild animus left behind the art of racing in the rain the confessions of a shopaholic yeah those are all missing um but especially wild animus yeah what was our first oh the justin bieber one that was really funny our first book was uh the glenn beck book oh that one i still do i st- i think i still think we still Overton have window i think we still have Overton window I think we didn't upload it. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta upload that. But, um, yeah, we've lost so many episodes. So if you're as cool as, uh, Mr. Bobby Kennedy, who sent me the Maradonia episode that he saved, that was awesome. Thank you. Um, you know, they definitely let us know. Um, like I said, we're reachable by, uh, Twitter or handable hand handable. Our that's my new uh web app it's for getting hand jobs on the slide oh no i was thinking handable don't like, steal my original idea copyright oh, no i was thinking a handable is like a fucking uh cronenberg like a hand that's a mandible yeah. a handable ah! um so our handle on twitter is terrible boo club so terrible book lub uh it's terrible book and then l-u-b because i didn't have enough characters to put the c in and k and we also, c we love the terrible book yeah we love them um <laughs> and our gmail is just terrible book club at gmail.com uh facebook we're just terrible book club normal spelling um so yeah uh fuck there was something oh i want to talk about what good books were, we have read recently i was talking about dragon prince which is like the only thing but I that's ever. a terrible book that we're reading for the next i episode. like it you're only anyway. I have I don't read that much aside from Terrible Book Club right now. No, if I'm being well, honest with you. Oh, that's true. You had a lot of music stuff going on. Well, I guess. I guess. Probably by the time the next uh, pro, uh, podcast rolls out, I will be blabbing a lot about my band's new album. Yeah, and video. Yes. With all those books. Yes. Um, your video lined in terrible books. It is. It literally is. 
Um, Cross promotion, y'all. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I just want to talk about some stuff I've read recently or am reading. So I just finished Wizards, A History, which sounds pretty rad, right? Sounds like you're going to read a book that's going to tell you all about every person in, you know, the last couple hundred years who was considered a wizard or a sorcerer and, like, tell you cool stories. Nope. It was a very, very, very dry academic work um, by uh, a professor who specializes in this kind of thing. I don't know. It was it was told from a very Christian perspective, which was Icky. also, well, I will say, I mean, he didn't get preachy or anything, but you could tell that his research was primarily, you know, done for that reason. And it was just really fucking dry. And the whole, I, I mean... It was one of those books where I would be reading on the couch and start falling asleep while I was sitting up because that happened with the fucking bird tip book too, uh, Audubon's <laughs> Bird <watch>. tits. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it just wasn't, I mean, I did learn some stuff from it. Like I finally figured out who Cagliostro was, which is, uh, who, a Cagliostro is a person who is mentioned in, um, the song Masters of Confusion by the band Blood Ceremony, uh, which is a, a band I've loved forever, and I love that song, Masters of Confusion, and I just never realized what was being, like, who that was, and then, you know, it was he was talked about in the book, um, and it was, you know, it was, it was cool to have that moment to be like, oh, shit, now I know what that is, and also feeling like, how the hell did I not know who that was? Um, it's okay to not know things. Yeah, so, I mean, I learned some stuff, but it was it just wasn't what I was expecting, so I was reading the book because I was doing research for... Um, lyrics for a song that my band was working on and um my bassist (laughs) wrote this song in a dream i know that sounds really fucking lame but he had this dream that was about this like sort of secluded wizard in a tower and this song and um and so i was trying to find someone in history who i could kind of model the song off of you know uh whether it was like a science a scientist or someone who was considered a magician or whatever perhaps uh, look into like alchemists or something like yeah, that. yeah so i mean anyway i think the song is getting tabled anyway for now so whatever that doesn't matter um you can still use the lyrics for something else you know. yeah yeah or or we could always use the song work on the song outside of yeah. the band and a different project so um i don't know and i i just started reading uh, a book by my wonderful friend larissa glasser she is a um, an excellent horror author. Uh, she lives here in the city. She's actually also um, a metal musician, though I don't. She's not. I don't think she's active anymore. Um, but she's been in a couple of really, really cool bands. Uh, both. I mean, she's been in metal bands, grind bands, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but she is a really excellent horror author, and I just bought her newest book called F Four. Um, I bought it, uh, you know, because she's my friend. But all. But really, I bought it because it sounded really interesting. So, the premise of the book is that the main character is this lady she's a a bartender on a cruise ship that cruise ship is strapped to a giant kaiju awesome (laughs) yeah yeah it sounds so ridiculous i was like holy shit i have to read this um and i don't know i'm like i'm excited to read it i started reading it uh a little concerned though because my, my friend the author larissa she was like oh, it's definitely porn. And I was like, oh, no. And I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, honestly, I was like, look, I'm going to read it because the premise sounds so cool. I'm willing to wade through whatever porn you've written, but I'm just not really into, like I said, not really into sex books. So Do you have a kaiju fetish? <laughs> no, and it's not sex with the Godzilla thing, um, <laughs> thankfully. Well, actually, I guess I don't know. I haven't gotten that yeah, far. Yeah, how but, do you know? Um, but anyway, uh, I'm, 
I'm hoping that this book will be really great, even if there's some sex that, whatever, I just need to ignore. The kaiju itself is a giant penis. No. no. It's a giant reptilian uh, penis. Godzilla-like <laughs> character. No. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know. I've got a bunch of other books kind of on backlog. Like, uh, I got a... Uh, what, what the fuck? Uh, I can't remember now. But um, I have a book about the history of witchcraft in New England. That my friend David very kindly gave me. Thank you, David. Um, he was cleaning out a storage locker that like one of his brothers had and found it. Um, I don't know. I got a bunch of random shit lying around. I have to read. <sighs> yeah. I believe. Yeah. I, I don't. Sorry. I thought you were gonna have some <laughs> something to talk about. I, I said like Dragon Prince is honestly it's hooking me. It really is right now. So maybe I'll be With like, its super dragon positive. Yeah. It, it, it might. I might be super positive about it next time. There's a couple of books that were in the book pile that um, I, I I actually that were separate from the terrible pile. There was a uh, one I, that I happened to grab just totally by accident. I didn't even realize I grabbed it until I, I was stacking books for the music video um, by uh, Mark Z. Danieluski who wrote House of Leaves. <gasps> oh, House of Leaves, dude. Did I ever tell you? how i felt after i read that book uh it's a wonderful book and like oh. terrifies me it's still yeah i mean house of leaves is a supremely excellent work it's not something i say about a lot of things so, um, so you I, should he, read it i had a book a book by him called the familiar downstairs and it looks to have like a lot a lot more like formatting fuckery in it too oh, so i don't know so if that like good. gets old or something but we'll see I'll, I'll pick it up probably um yeah i mean we won't talk about uh house of leaves and how i feel about it on air just because it's a whole other conversation um maybe for some bonus content yeah, sure but good book club yeah all right well um i guess that's it that's it for you suck by christopher moore remember uh next time we are reading dragon prince by melanie ron melanie ron thank you i almost said our patron's name not the actual (laughs) author Um, yeah it's her secret identity she just wanted us to read yeah maybe so uh so yeah uh thank you dari for uh recommending that we'll read it for you next time on terrible book club (laughs) (laughs) okay bye. bye